Well, good morning again. May the fourth be with you. Uh, anybody paying attention? Great to see you. Been a great day so far. We're in a series here at Moncton Wesleyan called Shift. Small changes that can make a huge difference. And if you missed last Sunday, uh, I really hope that you'll go back and uh, watch it on our, on our website and uh, catch up on the vision of the church uh, because it is the vision of our church and I worked really hard on that message. So please go back and watch it if you missed it. And today's going to be a lot of fun. Today we shift into the core values of Moncton Westland. And just so I could get, you know, really into the, the, whole, the whole shift thing, I went to Campbell's this week and took a hot car for a test drive. A six-speed, you know, and uh, I took a 2012 Dodge Challenger SRT8, 470 horsepower, 470 foot-pounds of torque. <laughs> it was awesome. It was awesome. Zero to Tim Hortons in 30 seconds from anywhere in Moncton. Actually, in Moncton, are you ever more than 30 seconds away from a Tim Hortons? Even if you're walking, you're never further then 30 seconds from a Tim Hortons in Moncton. I was a blast. The car was a hoot. Forget about losing my license. I almost lost my sanctification. <laughs> I didn't buy it, but I did have a lot of fun parking it out in front of the church just to make people talk. Is that the pastor's car? What? You know, it's fun just seeing the looks on people's faces. Uh, how many of you who are here last week can recite the vision of our church? See, it's, it's the whole idea is that you would, you would learn it, you would know it, you'd be able to tell people, you know, why we exist and who we are and what we're about and all of that. And so, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll rehearse it again this morning, we'll go over it again, but, but I want this just to be something that you've got right there and you can, you can uh, bring it up at any time. So we're going to say it out loud together. Are you ready? People inviting people to experience and follow Jesus. That's it. Say it again. People inviting people to experience and follow Jesus. Now, you, all, you need to know the, the vision of Moncton Wesson. You also need to know the core values of Moncton Wesson. There are six of them, so you can count them on one hand. You need to know who we are and how we operate and why we do what we do. Just like the vision, the core values weren't created in a vacuum. They weren't, you know, they didn't, I just didn't come out of my study one day and say, I've got it, here it is. You know, th- these are the core values. Uh, these things are the result of many, many months of discernment, of listening and uh, good conversations and getting input from people who, who love this place. Now, if you've ever been involved in a, in a core value process, it can be grueling. It can take a, a long time. And there are a couple of different ways that you can go with core values. You can go with the, the actual, real, up-to-the-minute core values of, of the place, the organization, the company, whatever. And you could go with the, the aspirational core values of who you want to become. And frankly, our core values that we're going to be sharing the next few weeks are a mix of both of those things. Also, I need to tell you what our core values are not, tell you what they aren't. And I might have to remind you of this on a, on a weekly basis, okay? They are not a list of the doctrines and beliefs of the Western Church, because that would just be repetition, okay? So they're not that. If you want to know what Wesleyans believe, it's really, you can go to our website, the, the website of the denomination, wesleyan.org, and you can read all day. You can read forever uh, on the core values, the doctrines and beliefs of who, you know, Wesleyans are. 
So we don't have to put the basic spiritual disciplines that should be true of every Bible-believing church in our core values, okay? So that's what they're not. If someone you know shows up late to the party uh, a few weeks from now or, or whatever, and they get looking at our core values and they're like, wait a second, you know, they scoff and wait a second. How come, how come worship isn't one of the core values? Well, you can, you can enlighten them. You can bring them up to speed and you can say, well, you know, if you were here every Sunday, you would know that Pastor Tim already explained that we're, we don't have to have like the core, uh, the doctrines and the beliefs of the Western church or basic you know, spiritual disciplines of all Bible-believing churches in our core values, that would be redundant to do that, okay? Um, Now, of course, we have a high value on worship. We have a high value on prayer and Bible study, etc. But the core values that we're going to be talking about are things that will shape the culture of Moncton Wesleyan and help us accomplish our God-given vision. Now, the first core value, the one we're going to be talking about today, the first one is always the first Impression. It sets the tone. If someone uh, comes here for the very first time and they see our core values, and the, you know, maybe it's on a giant banner hanging somewhere, or maybe someone hands them a printed piece and it has the core values, or maybe before coming here they went to our website and said, well, you know, what are those guys all about? And they looked at the core values. The first core value is the first impression that we want them to remember about Moncton Wesleyan. Also, and hang on, we're almost there. Also, the first core value is meant to diffuse and deconstruct, uh, you know, some of the things that people assume to be true about churches. So, you know, the vision part is that we're people inviting people. So we fully expect that all of us are going to be out there uh, in our communities and everywhere else inviting people. And, And as you invite someone to church, Church immediately brings up emotions. It brings up things in their, you know, just weird things. And and they might not have a very favorable uh, reply when you first invite them to church. And our first core value is meant to, to diffuse and deconstruct a lot of that stuff, right? When you say church to people, they often think of a church as a place of intimidating architecture, you know, dark windows, creepy furniture, right? A place, you know, you only go to that place to see dead people, right? I mean a funeral, not the pastor. And not the congregation. So here's our first core value. Here it is. Core value number one is that we're fun. We're fun. We love creating positive, upbeat environments for you and your family to enjoy. Okay? That's the first one. We're fun. We love creating positive and upbeat environments for you and your family to enjoy. What I need right now is, yeah, I need more of that. Good job. What I need is some of you who are, you know, you're just kind of hearing this. And some of you believe this to be true, but don't forget to inform your face. If you brushed your teeth this morning, all right? I need, I need more of this because you know what? Because we've got people who are guests here this morning and they hear me say, we're fun. And the congregation sits there like, yeah, we're a blast. We're a party, man. This place is rocking. So, you know, help a preacher out a little bit, okay? We're fun. All right. Ah, I love it. Woo. That's good. If your parents made you go to church, that's not fun. 
If your parents threaten you within an inch of your life to go to church, you know, that's not fun. If your parents sat you down in in an old hardwood bench or a pew or a chair or whatever, if they sat you down and said, don't you move an inch, and if you do, Jesus will take you to heaven right now. That's probably not fun. I had a special seat in church when I was a kid. (laughs) And I thought it was special. And then later I realized just how special it was. I thought I had a place of honor. You know, I really didn't. I had a place where, where, you know, that kept my mother from killing me. And so my mother was the, she was always either the piano player or the organist, sometimes both at the same time. And, and I got to sit on the edge of the piano bench beside my mother. <laughs> Music's playing and everyone's singing and I'm on the stage thinking, am I ever special? I was special, wasn't I? I didn't realize it was like, come here, young man. And yeah, don't you move an inch. And after a while, it just became uh, every Sunday kind of thing. We don't want parents to have to drag their kids to church. We want kids dragging their parents to church. Kids that can't sleep on Saturday night. Kids that are up early Sunday morning saying, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? Come on, come on. Are you ready? Are you ready? That's what, that's what we want. From the moment you turn off of Wheeler Boulevard to approach this place, or you crest the hill out here at St. George, or you drop from a helicopter, however it is that you get here, as you approach the property of Moncton Wesleyan Church, we need to be communicating to people that we're super glad that you are here. We're ready for you. We've been expecting you, and you're going to have a great day at church today. I think, I think Jesus was way more fun than we give him credit for. You know, it's always the somber Jesus. It's always, you know, straight-faced Jesus. And, and you know, it's, I, I, don't, I don't think he gets enough credit for that. Because I think, I think turning water into wine at a wedding was probably a lot of fun. <laughs> right? I, you know, I got this one. Watch this. this just, just wait until they taste this. You know, it's just, this is going to be fun, right? I think so. I think healing someone who had never walked... And and watching them get up off the ground and dance for the first time, I bet you that was fun. Or opening someone's eyes that had never seen before. And as soon as you're like, hey, you know, like, whoo, you know, they've never seen anything before. That must have been fun. Or opening ears that had never heard before must have been fun. I think um, bringing dead people back to life was probably a hoot. Really, though, your brother's been dead for how long? Watch this. Watch this. And Odie comes, right? Grave clothes and all, and they're, they're unraveling him, you know. That had to be fun. That had to be fun. I think Jesus was way more fun than we give him credit for. Jesus didn't die to make your life miserable. Ooh, hit a nerve right there. You know why? Because some of you, miserable is your love language. You're happiest when you're your crankiest. You just leave me alone in my funk. I like this. Right? He came to give us abundant life, and that includes joy. All right. So we're going to read from a really fun text. This text is a blast. It's 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 9. Look at the person beside you and say, I'm having fun. 
Here we go. Verse 3. Peter says this. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by his great mercy that we've been born again. Because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Now we live with great expectation. And we have a priceless inheritance. An inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. And through your faith, God is protecting you by his power until you receive this salvation, which is ready to be revealed on the last day for all to see verse 6 so be truly glad there's wonderful joy ahead even though you have to endure many trials for a little while these trials will show that your faith is genuine it's being tested as fire tests and purifies gold through your though your faith is far more precious than mere gold So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it'll bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. You love him even though you've never seen him. Though you do not see him now, you trust him and you rejoice with a glorious, inexpressible joy. The reward of trusting him will be the salvation of your souls. Wow, when Peter writes this, Rome is cranking up the heat on all those little Christs that are running around. Those, they're starting groups and they're starting churches and they're meeting in people's homes. And it's becoming kind of a nuisance, kind of a, a movement of these, these people who believe that they saw the resurrected Jesus. They saw him after he was crucified and they, they believe in him and they're, they're willing to follow him and serve him at any cost. And Rome is going to squish them. Rome is going to squash them and, and, and run, them, run them out. And these churches believe that Jesus rose from the dead. And Peter writes to encourage believers to crank up their joy, even in spite of of what they're dealing with and what they're going through. Things that you and I will never have to face in Canada. Not likely. I mean... Not likely. Sometimes you feel like you're, you know, you're being pushed because of your faith, but you don't, we don't experience things that even our brothers and sisters around the world experience in other places today. And, and we don't experience the kind of threats that these people were experiencing, uh, even, even their, their very lives or the lives of their family. And Peter says, I know that that's true. What you're dealing with, what you're going through is very real, but don't forget that we're supposed to be a people of joy. You see, anyone can be full of joy when, when things are going perfect. When it's going your way and everything's just, yeah, everything's great. You know, anyone can be a person of joy. It's the Christian. It's the follower of Jesus who has the, the joy of the Lord, the Holy Spirit of the living God rooted so deep in their spirit. That when you get pushed around, when you get bumped around, when you get kicked around by life, you spill joy believer because god is the creator of joy god is crazy about you he took great light great delight in creating you he created adam out of out of the sand out of the dirt and he stood back and said well that's good that's that's really good i i like him i like that you bring god joy and god brings you joy that's how it works In verse 3, Peter said, it's by his great mercy that we have been born again. I try not to use a lot of, a lot of like churchy, insider, Christianese kind of, kind of terms. So there's, there's a couple here and I'm just going to explain them for us. Peter points to the very reason of our joy. 
And he says it's because we're born again. We're born again, or we can be born again, because God raised Jesus from the dead. We, this, this is Easter message. We, just, we discussed this a couple of weeks ago. If Jesus is not raised from the dead, it's a hoax, and we all may as well go home. But if he did, if he did, if he did rise again, if it's true, then that changes everything. So that those words born again means this. It means that we can start a new life with Jesus, a fresh start. Our, our slate gets wiped clean. You get, a, you get a brand new start. We're forgiven out of God's great mercy, and we're, we're reborn. There it is. We're born again, or you're reborn into God's family. The other churchy term you might hear us use around here is, uh, we, we refer to it as the good news uh, another word for good news is gospel, and, and, and it's what we mean by that is this, is this news that Jesus is alive, that Jesus is God's Son, this news has the power to, to change any life, has the power to transform anything. I, we call it good news. It really should be spectacular news. It should be crazy, ridiculous, awesome sauce news, okay? But that's what we, that's what we mean by that. Whatever you're dealing with, whatever you're facing, God is greater. And, uh, and Jesus can, can conquer anything in your life. So, we, those of, those of you here this morning who are followers of Jesus, we have more reasons than anyone to have more fun than anyone. If you were starting a church and all you had for, for a text, you didn't have the whole Bible, all you had was First Peter. If you were starting a new church and all you had was First Peter, by 10 verses in, you would say to the group, gang, we need to be a place of great joy. There has to be joy. It says right here that there has to be joy in the house. There has to be joy in the room. There has to be joy in our lives. There wouldn't be any getting around it. You'd say, okay, whatever we're facing, whatever we're dealing with, whatever we're going through, we still have to be a people of great, great joy. Nehemiah said the joy said to his people, the joy of the Lord will be your strength. I've been to churches with no joy and no fun. And everybody walks on an angle like this. And they got their arms folded like this. And they don't serve coffee. They serve prunes and lemons. <laughs> and you get in line for your, for your, for your prunes. You see, we have an opportunity, opportunity, Monkton Wesleyan, to blow the world away with our joy. Okay? I mean, think about it. Think about it. Come on, come on, think about it. We worship in the celebration center. Hello? The celebration center. This place should be nuts. This should be, this should be full of joy. Um, speaking of fun, how would you like to hear some really fun news? Four of you. The rest of you are desperate for some good news. I'm going to give you some good news. And if you've got a, a, you know, a tissue to wave, a glory hanky, there we go, there we go. Uh, I, I expect one or two at least to start doing laps around the auditorium, okay, with this good news. Here we go. Easter Sunday, we asked you for the largest offering in our church's history. You responded with well over $66,000 Easter Sunday morning. Okay, 
That's not all. That's not all. Last Sunday, the last Sunday of our church year, you topped it. You gave $71.5 thousand dollars. We didn't, we didn't just erase our deficit. We obliterated our deficit. Like we, we just smoked our deficit uh, on operations and ministry. We creamed it. In fact, we have like, we're hoping that we've got like as much as 25000 to put against the Christmas deficit, which is the, the production deficit, which is a totally different deal. The Christmas production for 45 years here or whatever, like some years it made money, some years it lost money. And it just, it just did this, you know, it would do that like ping pong year after year after year after year and carrying over, you know, a little debt from Christmas was, 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 we've done that several years. It wasn't all that big of a deal. So our Christmas debt has dropped significantly and we finished the year, you know, fiscally on operations and ministry in the black glory. Hallelujah. So do I rap with 180 or what? Do I rap with Tia? <laughs> Okay, anybody here want to clap for me not rapping with Tia? Oh. First service, there were people who were like, yeah, no, I don't want to see that. That's a train wreck waiting to happen. Woo. No, you're not going to see it now. All right. Verse 6. I'm not telling. Verse 6. So be truly glad. There's wonderful joy ahead. Um, actually, we, we skipped four and five. We're going to go back and read them in a second here. But let me say this. In four and five, verses four and five, Peter gets us thinking about heaven. He says, you gotta, you got to get your eyes and your heart and your mind focused on heaven. Problems happen. We get in trouble when we, get, when, when we let the stuff of, of life Crowd in on us, creep in on us, surround us, overwhelm us, overtake us, and you get your head down. And, and all you can feel is the pressure of everything that you're facing and everything that you've got to do. And, and this person's sick and this job with this and money with this and the marriage and the kids and all this stuff and everything and everything and everything. And you, you get your, your head down on that and everything can press in. And before you know it, you're just, you're just feeling so overwhelmed that you don't know what to do. And Peter, Peter says, hey, 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 I know that there's trials and I know what you're going through. But, but, but let's, let's lift our eyes up to heaven because what we're dealing with is temporary. That's not going to last forever. You have to remember, you have to stay focused on Jesus Christ because this world is just a, it's just a, a it's just, just lasts for a few seconds and then it's gone. But we have all eternity with him in heaven. So don't get so focused on here. Think, think about heaven. So now let's go back to the last part of verse three. And, and read it right through again some of those verses. The last part of verse 3, Peter says, Now, we live with great expectation. I, I just love the wording of that. We live with great expectation. And we have a priceless inheritance, an inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. And through your faith, God is protecting you by his power until you receive this salvation, which is ready to be revealed on the last day for all to see. Verse 6, so be truly glad. There's wonderful joy ahead. 
even though you have to endure many trials for a little while. If you live for Jesus on earth, you will live with Jesus in eternity. Christians, more than anyone else, have great reason for for great joy. Peter says to, to live, live your life with great expectation. I love that wording. Every day, in spite of what you are facing, in spite of who you are facing, in spite of how you are feeling, it's a choice to rejoice. You have to thoroughly, deeply believe that you serve a risen Savior. The greater is He who is in you than He that is in the world. Open your eyes to the joy that God has put all around you. Don't let the darkness creep back into the places where God has already shown the light of His truth into your life. Put up no trespassing signs and don't let that darkness in. If you're a follower of Jesus, He has claimed your life, your mind, your body by his death and resurrection. Don't let the devil or anyone else steal the property that Jesus Christ paid for. Ain't nobody got time for that. There are several ways that we can live the difference that Jesus makes in our lives. Several ways that you and I can live the difference that Jesus makes in our lives. One way is to love others outlandishly. To love others outlandishly. That's one way, because you can show that. Another way is to be filled with genuine, unstoppable joy. An unshakable joy through the ups and downs. You're going you're gonna to have ups and downs. But, but an unshakable joy that can cause others to see Jesus in you. I don't, I don't mean, you know, fabricate something that, that's fake. I mean real, real joy so that the people around you, when they, when they know what you're dealing with, and, and, and they, but they still see joy. If you, if you go to work tomorrow morning or you just start Monday, wherever that, whatever that is for you, and you've got this, this, this renewed joy, a real joy in your life, that might startle some people who know you. And they, they might be tempted to ask, what has gotten into you? What has happened to you? What did you do this weekend? That is the Holy Spirit swinging open a door for you to say, Jesus. When they say, what, what's, what's going on? What, like, what has happened to you? You just say, Jesus, one word, Jesus. That'll freak them out. And, and they, might, they might not know what to say next. They might hide under a desk. They might not talk to you for a few hours. I don't know. You let the Holy Spirit plant that seed in the soil of their hearts. Just, just, just let God do something with it. But a joy that, that causes others to take notice and to wonder what in the world has gotten into you. Here's, here's a great verse on this. It's from Psalms 126. Psalms 126, verse 2. We were filled with laughter and we sang for joy. And the other nations said, what amazing things the Lord has done for them. I love it. We were filled with laughter and we sang for joy. And everyone around us said, what in the world has gotten into them? I love it. Back to verse 6 again. So be truly glad there is wonderful joy ahead. It's like 
It's like Peter puts a road sign in front of us. And the road sign has an arrow pointing straight up to heaven. And underneath the arrow, the road sign says, joy ahead. And Peter says, hey, I know the road is rough. And the road that you're on right now might be like a Moncton road in the springtime of the year. And your life might be getting battered and kicked around and you're getting bumped and your vehicle is getting all bent out of shape. And Peter sticks a road sign in front of us and says, don't you forget, there is joy ahead. There's joy ahead. Be glad before the joy. Be glad ahead of the joy, even if you're not seeing the joy, because you know that there is joy ahead. God's promises are greater than my predicaments. Don't, don't put your joy on hold and say, well, I'll, I'll feel better when this happens, or I'll be joyful when God does this in my life. Put your joy on go right now because you believe that God is doing great things in your life. And there is always joy ahead when you are following Jesus. Now, you need to hear that. You need to catch that. That's important. That's important. There is always joy ahead when you are following Jesus. That's good news. That is good news. No wonder we call it good news. I mean, if you believe what we believe, we win. We win. There is always joy ahead when you're following Jesus. Verse 8. You love him even though you've never seen him, though you do not see him now. You trust him and you rejoice with a glorious, inexpressible joy. Anakleidas is the Greek word. Anakleidas is the Greek word for, for that inexpressible, um, indescribable. The King James Version calls it joy unspeakable. It's, it's like Peter's Peter's thinking about the joy that he has in his life, the joy that that he has from knowing Jesus Christ, and he's trying to find words. You ever get stuck for words that you just you just you just couldn't find it? And Peter says he's trying to describe this joy, and he's like, it's just it's unspeakable, it's indescribable, it's inexpressible. I, I don't know how to say it. It's just a, a joy like I, I like I can't explain, like you've never ever experienced again. Peter knew what it meant to be, meant meant to be so full of joy, so completely overcome with love for Jesus, the presence of Jesus, the realization of who Jesus is and what he's done in our lives and what he's doing. And he, Peter encourages us. He says, you love him even though you've never seen him. Peter had, but the people he was writing to hadn't. He says, you love him even though you've never seen him and you trust him even though you haven't seen him. So he says, rejoice with an unspeakable, indescribable joy. Fun is the first of our core values. We love creating positive, upbeat environments for you and your family to enjoy. We're going to crank up the fun factor here at Moncton Westland. And if you don't like fun, you're going to be really upset with all the fun that we're having. Like, Like our fun might make you even crankier and I don't know where that'll end. I don't know. Hopefully we'll, we'll win some people over because this is going to be a place of fun. And you know what, you know what else is exciting about this is you know, a whole, you know a lot of people who need more joy in their lives. You know people who, who the world has robbed them and has stripped them of their joy. And they just, they're just not living any joy whatsoever. And because we're people inviting people, now you can go to those people and you can say, listen, listen, 
I think if you came to church with me on Sunday morning, I think if you, if you would just come for a service at Moncton West, I think, I think you'd feel better. I think that, that the whole experience would, would give you a joy like you've never known before. And what can they lose? They may as well come and, 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 and check it out for themselves. So we're going to wag more and bark less. We're going to do that. We've established this morning that people who know Jesus are or should be people of joy. You have the source of joy living inside you. You have the creator of joy is living inside you. You have more hope and more to look forward to than anyone. Don't base your joy on your current circumstances. Base it on your future with Jesus. On a scale of 1 to 10, how much joy do you have? On a scale of 1 to 10, how much joy do you have? I had someone in the first service shout out, 20! (laughs) How much fun are you? The people who know you the most... Where where would they put you? Would they say you're a four, a two, a minus 17? Here's your shift. It's in verse 9. The reward for trusting him will be the salvation of your souls. The reward for trusting him will be the salvation of your souls. Find something in your life right now that you're worried about and simply say, Jesus, I trust you. Go ahead. Think of something right now in your life that is crowding in on your joy, that's robbing you of joy. Think of something right now that, that, that is weighing on you, that one issue, and then simply say, Jesus, I trust you. Some of you will say it out loud. You can go ahead and say it out loud right now. Jesus, I trust you. Now find something else. Find another item, something that's robbing your joy, something that you've been thinking about too much, something that's stealing your joy, and simply say, Jesus, I trust you. Maybe you need to make a list. Really. Maybe you need to write them down, and beside every one, say, Jesus, I trust you. Jesus, I trust you. Some of you, uh, what you need to do this week is you need to start the day. When your eyes open in the morning, the first thing you need to say is Jesus, I trust you. Try it for a week. Just say, Jesus, I trust you. No matter what happens today, no matter what I face, Jesus, I trust you. There's no greater joy than deciding to follow Jesus. No greater joy. And uh, we sang, I have decided to follow Jesus in one one of the great worship songs we did this morning. And, and some of you here this morning, you're, you're hearing me talk about, you know, you have the joy living inside you and you, you know, those types of things. You heard me talk about born again and, and you're thinking, you know, what? I've, I've never taken that, that simple step of faith. I've never crossed that line of faith. I've never uh, just simply said, Jesus, I believe who you are. I believe that you are God's son. I believe that you died on a cross for my sin. I believe you're here right now, and I want to trust you with my life. Uh, If we could, let's bow our heads. We're going to pray together. And uh, I'm going to give uh, folks an opportunity to believe and uh, accept and follow Jesus this morning. There's also uh, many here today 
who have been following Jesus for a long time, and you, you have lost your joy. You have not been living uh, a life of joy. The people around you are not asking, where do you get that joy? They're probably asking, what is wrong with you? And you need to get that joy back. And you've allowed things to, to creep back into your life that have no business being there because of, because of Christ in your life. And uh, we, need to, we need to pray about those things this morning. And we're going to do that. Let's start with folks who, who want to accept and believe in Jesus Christ as their Savior this morning. I'm going to, I'm going to pray a very simple prayer. Um, there's nothing so special in my prayer that, that saves you. Uh, it's, it's your act of obedience. It's you talking to Jesus and inviting him to come into your life. So if that's what you want to do this morning, I invite you to pray. You can pray out loud or you can pray silently to yourself and simply say, Jesus, I believe this morning that you are God's son. I believe that you came to this earth, to, to, born of a virgin, that you came here to rescue people like me, that you died on a cross for my sin. And I believe, Jesus, that you rose again. I might not have all the answers right now. I might not understand everything now. But by faith believing, Jesus, I'm inviting you to come into my life right now. I believe that you're here and I'm turning my life over to you. I will, I will serve you and follow you for the rest of my life. And I'm thanking you, Jesus, for, for forgiving me right now of every sin, every wrong that I've ever done, for wiping my slate clean, power washing my soul, giving me a fresh start today. And Jesus, I thank you for, for this opportunity that I have right now in this moment to come to you, to believe in you, to accept you, and to follow you. And I thank you, Jesus, for, for saving my soul right now in this moment. For others here who, are, who are, have been following Jesus, they've been serving him, but they've lost their joy. God, you know the, the, you know the reasons, you know the trials, the tribulations, all that we're going through. And God, as we simply come back to you this morning and say, would you restore unto us the joy of our salvation. Would you fill us again with joy that we could leave here with, a, with an overflowing, uh, genuine Christian joy, that we could share our joy with, with, this, with this world that so desperately needs to, to know your joy. God, would you just help us as we turn these things over to you, as we simply say, Jesus, I trust you, I trust you, I trust you with every area of my life. Thank you, God, for what you're doing this morning. Thank you for these things. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen.